This week on the Electronic Intifada podcast, the late Nelson Mandela, in his own words, talking about the anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa and his support of Palestinian liberation. We identify with the PLO because just like ourselves, they are fighting for the right of self-determination. Scholar Haider Aid remembers Mandela in Palestine. When we compare the applications of the apartheid policy, it is difficult to identify any differences between white rule in South Africa and its, its Israeli counterpart in, in Palestine. And Ali Abunima discusses the year ahead for the electronic intifada and how you can support the valuable work we do. I think that's why we're different and people can count on us to be independent, to be credible, to be fearless. We do not um, succumb to the kind of pressure that mainstream media do. And the reason for that is because we're funded by our readers. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman, Associate Editor for the Electronic Intifada in Oakland. South African anti-apartheid resistance leader, politician, and icon Nelson Mandela died on December 5th at the age of 95. And people the world over have remarked on his legacy of struggle alongside many peoples who fight for liberation, including Palestinians. The Electronic Intifada's contributor Adri Newhoff writes, quote, After the declaration of apartheid as South African state policy in 1948, Mandela and other leaders of the African National Congress's Youth League convinced the ANC to supplement the approach of dialogue it had followed for more than 45 years with more militant tactics of strikes, boycotts, and defiance. The apartheid regime responded to the mass nonviolent resistance by banning leaders and passing new laws to prevent public disobedience. Mandela's steadfastness to achieve freedom is exemplary, knowing that liberation is the result of a collective effort with the participation of the masses. When people lauded his role in breaking down apartheid, he played down his role by referring to all the people who had joined in the fight. Mandela's passion for human rights was inclusive. His fight did not end with overthrowing South African apartheid. In his book, Long Walk to Freedom, Mandela wrote, quote, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Mandela explicitly and clearly voiced his solidarity with the Palestinian people by saying, We know too well that our freedom is incomplete without the freedom of the Palestinians, on the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian People in 1997. And now we feature parts of a town hall meeting and interview between Nelson Mandela and Ted Koppel on ABC's program Nightline in 1990 in New York City, right after his release from 27 years in prison for fighting in the liberation struggle. I'm Ted Koppel at the City College of New York, and this is a special edition of Nightline. Nelson Mandela, day two of his visit to the United States. More celebration, more adoring crowds. A reminder to his people of how far they have come. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, we have risen up as on the wings of eagles. 
a reminder of how far they have yet to go. The old order is crumbling. But the age of freedom has not yet done. Ladies and gentlemen, Nelson Mandela. And in the middle of his day, an extraordinary town meeting, part of which you may have seen, but for those who missed it, here's a sampler. We identify with the PNO because just like ourselves, they are fighting for the right of self-determination. Mandela displayed a sense of humor. Or should I put it more succinctly? Will your economy be based on the Marxist system, socialism, or capitalism, or both? I knew that that, that was the question you wanted to ask. <laughs> he responded to his critics at home. Monitor is a man by the name of Kuz van der Merwe, who is one of the leaders of the Conservative Party. Have a listen to what he has to say. Nelson. You're not going to nationalize the assets of the white people. I have worked for my banks, my mines, my businesses, and my farms. You are not going to take it. Stop your violence. Stop your nonsense. All I have said to Kurs van der Merwe is to say I am happy to know you. I hope that one day we shall have the opportunity to discuss the affairs of our country. There's nothing that prevents you, even in the United States, to pick up a telephone and, and say hello and talk to me as we're doing ever since you left jail. For me, to wash our dirty linen in a foreign country, even though it is somehow I am hesitant to do that, even though here I have the feeling that I am among a comrades in arms. Welcome to America. He faced his critics here head on. Those of us who share your struggle for human rights and against apartheid have been somewhat disappointed by the models of human rights that you have held up since being released in jail. You've met over the last six months three times with Yasser Arafat. Yasser Arafat. Colonel Gaddafi. Fidel Castro. Support our struggle to the hilt. I think I would be dishonest if I did not express profound disappointment with the answer that Mr. Mandela gave to the previous question because it suggests a certain degree of amorality. The... Above all, Nelson Mandela stated his positions forcefully. <clears throat> Why are you so insistent upon maintaining sanctions at a time when it can be argued that the South African government has made more concessions, your release being only one of them, than it has ever made in the past 40 years? I should know better about this matter, Mr. Coppel, than you. 
no doubt. And now, in the Nightline segment of our broadcast, there's much more to come. And we are back once again at the City College of New York with Nelson Mandela. And Mr. Mandela, we have just heard a number of the things that you said in uh, our hour between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock this evening. Some controversial things, not the kinds of things necessarily that a very political man says. If you were very political, you might have been more concerned about not alienating some people in this country who have it within their hands, within their power, either to continue sanctions against South Africa or to raise those sanctions, to lift them. Why were you, why were you not a little more political? Perhaps we're too accustomed to politicians in this country. I do not understand what you mean. Perhaps uh, if uh, you clarify what you are referring to. I may be in a position to comment. What I'm saying <clears throat> is that in this country, for example, there has been for many years a close alliance between the Jewish population and the black population in the civil rights struggle. There is likely to be a rather negative reaction to some of the things that you have said. That reaction could very well cause people to call up their congressmen, their senators, and say, ah, go ahead, lift the sanctions. Why not? After all, President de Klerk is doing a great deal against apartheid. Only today, in fact, his number two man, Gerrit Villeneuve, said that the government perceives itself in South Africa as being part of the anti-apartheid struggle. <laughs> One of the problems <clears throat> we are facing in the world today, our people who do not look at problems objectively, but from the point of view of their own interests, that makes things difficult because once a person is not objective, it is extremely difficult to reach an agreement. One of the best examples of this is to think that because Arafat is conducting a struggle against the state of Israel, that we must therefore condemn him. We can't do that. It is just not possible for any organization of, or individual of integrity to do anything of the sort. I don't also want to, want to leave the impression, uh, if, if I might just inter intervene with one point, I don't want to leave the impression that this is only going to be a Jewish-black issue. There are a great many Cuban-Americans in this country who will be just as offended by some of the comments you've made about Fidel Castro and Cuba. No, Mr. Coppell, I don't agree with you. I am saying that uh, it would be a grave mistake for us to consider our attitude towards Yasser Arafat on the basis of the interests of the Jewish community. We sympathize with the struggles of the Jewish people and their persecution right down the years. In fact, we have been very much influenced by the lack of racialism amongst the Jewish communities. In our own country, 
in the political trials that have taken place, when few lawyers were prepared to defend us, it has been the Jewish lawyers who have come forward to defend us. I myself, I myself was articled, I'm a lawyer by profession, and I was trained to become a lawyer by a Jewish firm at a time when few firms in our country were prepared to take blacks. And as I have said, we have many Jews, members of the Jewish community in our struggle, and they have occupied very top positions. But that does not mean to say that uh, the enemies of Israel are our enemies. We refuse to take that position. You can call it being political or uh, a moral question, but uh, for anybody who changes his principles depending on whom he is dealing, that is not a man who can lead a nation. Apparently, Mr. Koppel, you have not listened to my argument. If you have done so, then you have not been serious in examining it. I have replied to one of our friends here that I have refused to be drawn into the differences that exist between various communities inside the USA. You have not commented that I am going to offend anybody by refusing to involve myself in the internal affairs of the USA, <clears throat> of the USA. Why are you so keen that I should involve myself in the internal affairs of Cuba and Libya? No. I expect you to be consistent. I don't know if I have paralyzed you. No, 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 no. I... That was Nelson Mandela speaking with Ted Koppel on ABC's Nightline in New York City in 1990. Up next, the Electronic Intifada contributor and scholar Dr. Haider Aid was a guest on the South African radio program Sabahul Khair with host Ibrahim Gangat on CII Broadcasting on December 5th. Here is part of that interview. Well, it is um, 8, 8 in the morning, right? 8.19 in the morning right now. And I heard the news earlier at 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it's the first item on news on all local radios in Palestine, especially in Gaza. You know how much people of Palestine admired Nelson Mandela and they take his life and the struggle of the ANC and the SACP and the people of South Africa as an example that we in Palestine should follow. It's a huge loss, Ibrahim. It's a very, very huge loss for us here in Palestine because he represented everything that we are 
fighting for here in Palestine. I mean, this day really reminds me of the day when the great leader of uh, Egypt, the, the uh, Jamal Abdel Nasser, passed away on the 28th of September 1970 um, after being attacked by Israel, the United States of America, and the West, where he fought to liberate Palestine. It also reminds me of the demise of Hugo Chavez. In other words, it, it reminds us here in Palestine of the demise of the great leaders of the 20th century. But Nelson Mandela in particular, his, his passing and his demise has a special meaning because of the comparisons we in Palestine draw between apartheid South Africa and Israel. The institutionalized racial discrimination in both countries, in Israel, excuse me, and, and, and in apartheid South Africa, which, which ensured in South Africa the, the primacy of a group of, uh, you know, white settlers here in, uh, over, over um, the blacks and the indigenous population and other races. Here in Palestine, Zionism ensures the primacy of a group of Jewish settlers over the Palestinians, over the Palestinian Arabs. And when we compare the applications of the apartheid policy, it is difficult to identify any differences between white rule in South Africa and its, its Israeli counterpart in, in Palestine in terms of, you know, the segregation and designation of certain areas to Israeli Jews and other to Arabs, the delineation of certain laws and privileges of Jews and discriminatory set of laws that apply only to Palestinians. And this is exactly what Nelson Mandela fought against, spent 27 years in jail, 18 of which on Robben Island, and he ultimately, he was released in 1990 when the international community stopped dealing with apartheid South Africa, boycotted apartheid South Africa, divested from it and, and imposed sanctions against it. And when people went to the polling stations in 1994, people, yes, voted for Russell Mandela as the first black president of multiracial South Africans, but because, but also they voted against apartheid. And this is what we are fighting for here in Palestine. Yes. And uh, when we go back into the history of the struggle against apartheid in South Africa, uh, we obviously heard of the way in which Nelson Mandela at that time was seeking, you know, some sort of help and clearly and fondly remembered in the way the Palestinians came across and many of uh, some of the uh, Arab countries came across to give him help. Uh, Dr. Eid, what do you remember about Nelson Mandela and ANC? You know, at that time in our struggle of trying to conquer apartheid, was the help, you know, available for him at that time, from that time? And he never forgot Palestine ever, you know, in all his life and always spoke fondly about it. Absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I mean, he was a real inspiration, and he remains to be an inspiration for us and for our struggle here in Palestine. Because, honestly, as I said to you, when, you know, like South Africa, Israel's brand of apartheid is, is mixed with settler, <coughs> excuse me, is mixed with settler colonialism, exactly as it was in the United States of America and Australia. South, uh, settler colonialism in Israel and South Africa has also involved the ethnic cleansing or even genocide of the indigenous people. And this is what Nelson Mandela 
fought against. When evaluated along, you know, the lines that I've just mentioned, um, Ibrahim, the term apartheid applies to Israel, Israeli policies in, in Palestine, and in particular in, 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 the, in the Gaza Strip where I live. So every single thing Nelson Mandela represents and every single crime committed by apartheid against the indigenous people of South Africa and every single thing that Nelson Mandela fought against is something that we learn from Ibrahim. Now, the Palestinians of the Gaza Strip, and he visited Gaza, I remember Nelson Mandela visited Gaza, I think it was 1996 or 1998, I can't exactly remember, but I mean, every single person in Gaza took to the street in order to welcome Nelson, to welcome Nelson Mandela. You know, the Palestinians of the Gaza Strip, Ibrahim, are isolated from the rest of the population in historical Palestine and isolated from the entire world, exactly like you South Africans in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And that is why when we talk about Nelson Mandela, it's not only Nelson Mandela, the human, the super brother human being, as some, somebody called him here in Palestine, but we are talking about what Nelson Mandela represented. And Nelson Mandela represented humanity at its best, humanity that goes beyond the lines of race, that goes beyond the lines of ethnicity, gender, etc., etc. And this is our struggle in Palestine. We are fighting in order to reach that point that you have already reached, you people of South Africa, under the, le the leadership of Nelson Mandela and his comrades. We want to have a democratic Palestine, a Palestine for every single citizen, of it, regardless of religion, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity. And that's why Nelson Mandela saw the similarities between Zionism and apartheid, and he told us, he told every single Palestinian who visited him, and he told even Israelis when he visited Israel, that one day will come when all the people of Palestine will live equally, exactly like the people of South Africa. That was Dr. Haider Aid, political commentator, scholar, and contributor to the Electronic Intifada, on South Africa's CII broadcasting show Sabah al Khair last week. For all us young, freedom-loving South Africans, our parents beat the beast once, well the beast is back and it must be beaten back again. To all you brand Israelis sitting safe in your settlements, listen close, this is the sound of solidarity from South Africa to Gaza to the West Bank, free Palestine. I give rocks for you all a security crisis, I slingshot rap at your deadly devices, machine propaganda don't fool me nothing, we see no democracy, who are you bluffing, strike three IDF, attack the Mavi, Mamara you are a terrorist state, no debate, yeah, we've got the facts on file, you're gonna face the fire upon the war crime trial, God as your witness, yeah. the devil be the judge, yeah. hell of a lot of burning, it won't take much to break the capital hold upon the capital hill, politicians won't act well the people will, one world, one Boys want freedom for all From the streets of Soweto to the Wailing Wall Come on Preach with the pride to crush the apartheid yes. Ride on the rap to rise like high tide yes. Sail for the strip on a ship Carry hope to the hopeless The homeless, we know this is evil How you breathe free while you're strangling people Never find peace till the power is equal South Africa's story is real The sequel Check the tide, it looks like it's turning Check the flag, it looks like it's burning Check the tide, it looks like it's turning Check the flag, it looks like it's burning Yes, yes, yo, break down the wall Freedom for Gaza, freedom for us all Yes, yes, yo, break down the wall Freedom for Gaza Bring it back, not done Music by South African artists against apartheid member Ian Ewok Robinson and his track Freedom for Us All.
Finally, this year, 2.5 million individuals in almost every country have read news from the electronic intifada, a big increase from last year. We're not just reaching more people. We're shaping the way mainstream media, influential commentators, educators, and activists talk about Palestine. The fiercest opponents of Palestinian rights are taking notice, too. According to Gerald Steinberg, director of the influential anti-Palestinian group NGO Monitor, the electronic intifada is part of the engine propelling the growing movement for Palestinian rights. It is because we are an independent, non-profit publication supported by readers and listeners like you that we can never be intimidated or silenced when it comes to telling the truth about Palestine. We can do this work only because we're supported by listeners and readers like you who care about accurate, original, and fearless reporting. So to make sure we have the resources to pay the talented and dedicated writers, editors, photographers, and other media makers who create this first-class work, and to keep our servers running in 2014, we are asking you to make a tax-deductible donation to our year-end campaign. To contribute, visit electronicintifada.net and hit the Donate Now button near the top of the page. The Electronic Intifada's Ali Abunima takes a look back at 2013 and the types of stories we've covered. Well, it's actually been a record year in terms of our readership. Our readership, the number of actual human beings who read the website, has grown by two-thirds, and that was on top of 80% in uh, 2011. So we have millions of people coming to the Electronic Intifada every year, and I'm really proud of the coverage that... um, our writers, reporters, photographers, uh, video makers, audio makers have made, uh, and that of course includes the work that you've done, Nora. Um, But our original reporting and photo stories on uh, the realities everywhere in Palestine, particularly uh, in Gaza, which is neglected by world media, We've had some amazing reporting all year from Ramil Meghari and Joe Catrone. Um, we've had exclusive stories that went absolutely viral, made it into world media, about how Israeli soldiers are using social media to spread violence and hatred. And our exclusives forced the Israeli army to respond. So our reporting really has an impact. Um, I'm really uh, proud of the... A reporting we've done some of the some of the exclusives, for example, by Max Blumenthal on um, Teach for America. I thought that was an amazing piece because it showed the connections between the um, people who are trying to force privatization on public schools in this country and groups that are trying to get a pro-Israel agenda into American classrooms. Um, there's just so much. I mean, we. Uh, I think are the go-to place for arts coverage. You know, we have interviews with uh, director, people like director Anne-Marie Jasser, visual artist uh, John Halaka. I mean, where can you get this breadth of uh, political coverage, reporting, uh, human interest features? And, of course, one of the things I love the most is the Electronic Intifada podcast. Ali, how is EI funded and who supports the Electronic Intifada's work? 
our readers. And that's the amazing thing, you know, that the vast majority of our funding comes from individual readers, often giving small donations. Uh, we like larger ones. We won't say no to those. But you don't have to give a big amount of money to be part of this. Really, everybody makes a difference. And I think that's why we're different and people can count on us to be independent, to be credible, to be fearless. We do not um, succumb to the kind of pressure that mainstream media do. And the reason for that is because we're funded by our readers. And uh, so it's a little bit like, you know, public radio or independent uh, radio, but without the, you know, pressure that makes uh, uh, big public media also too afraid to talk about Palestine. So it's our readers, and that's why every year at this time of year, we do a fundraiser, we send out letters to our friends who've been really loyal supporters for many years, but we also try to reach new people who are coming to the Electronic Intifada and who feel that this coverage is important to them and say, okay, well, you know, help us to make it happen. And how can people support the Electronic Intifada? It's so easy. You can go to electronicintifada.net and click Donate Now. And it takes about a minute to make a donation. It is secure. Uh, we are uh, very vigilant about um, privacy. So, you know, people can, can feel very secure about that. We work with Network for Good, which is a great nonprofit um, processor of donations. So when you click that Donate Now button, uh, that's who process it, processes it for us. And of course, uh, for those who, who uh, uh, want it to be, it's tax deductible. So it's, a really, it's really easy. There are other ways you can send us a check, a money order, and all that information is on the website too. What does the Electronic Intifada have in store for 2014? Well, that, you know, I mean, there's so much exciting things going on related to Palestine, and we're going to do our uh, best to cover all of it. And uh, I think some of the stories that have really become important is the student movement, the growing uh, BDS movement, and the fight back against the repression on campuses, the the efforts to shut down Palestine solidarity activism. That's a huge story. That's one you've been covering, that I've been covering. And um, I think that uh, there are so many things that we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to be there for all of it. But it really depends on uh, people understanding the importance of this uh, source of information being there and stepping up and saying, I want to be part of it and I want to, to see it continue. How is the money that we raise used? Well, it's uh, first of all, we are a 501c3. So uh, donations are tax deductible and um, our uh, documents are filed publicly just like for any other uh, nonprofit. Uh, the vast majority of our funding, uh, probably about 80%, goes to people who make the what you see hear and read on the electronic intifada. So it goes to editors, to writers, to, uh, to, to our reporters who are all over uh, the world, uh, including, of course, in Palestine. 
Uh, it supports this podcast, which is an amazing resource uh, every week. Uh, and the uh, remaining amount goes to uh, the things that let us do our work, uh, computers, uh, subscriptions to photo services, uh, all the other nitty gritty that we, uh, you know, we need to do our job. I think one of the, the amazing things is that we are a, a pretty small and agile organization. And so people often are surprised at how much we do with really uh, very few resources. We, uh, we don't let anything go to waste. We don't, um, uh, we recognize that everything that our readers give us, they want to see it translated into good high quality reporting. And that's how we use it. The Electronic Intifada's Ali Abunima. To contribute to our fundraising campaign, visit electronicintifada.net and hit the Donate Now button near the top of the page. Our work is supported by readers like you. Donations are tax-deductible for U.S. taxpayers. And that's it for our weekly Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features, and reviews, pointed opinion and analysis by our team of correspondents and bloggers, visit us online at electronicintifada.net. You can also sign up for our daily email digest and post comments. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and we're now on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and have the EI podcast automatically downloaded. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening.